Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah. Siders, America's greatest country in the world. San Diego's America's finest city. Thanks for being here. Hope you have a great 4th of July weekend. Do something patriotic. Read something. Read something from our founding fathers. Anything. <laughs> Read the Declaration. Uh, any short biography, a kid's book, anything, whatever. Teach your kids about the founding fathers. Uh, we must take this time. We must take every opportunity, all the time, to connect to our founding fathers and the spirit. The spirit of 76. Uh, but of course, you have to do it over 4th of July weekend. Next week, our TV special is about the Second Amendment. And we're going to specifically focus, or at least I, in the opening segment, am going to specifically focus on our Founding Fathers' view of the Second Amendment and why uh, they put it there. Uh, The Supreme Court did some wonderful work with the Second Amendment last week there, and we're already seeing the ramifications of not just that specific case, but other Second Amendment cases as well. So uh, there was a Ninth Circuit case recently, just a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's, it's always hard to, when to start these stories. Let me go back. A couple years ago, we passed a law in California that banned what they called high capacity magazines. So any gun that you could that you could shoot more than nine or more than ten bullets, right? You can't have those illegal in California. So then that worked out its way up through the courts, and. A couple weeks ago, the Ninth Circuit said, yes, that law is legal. So it is legal for the state to outlaw high-capacity magazines. Well, the Supreme Court, because of their recent ruling, even though it was about uh, carrying outside of the house, they did some other things. They made some other statements in there that would change how the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals would consider this high capacity magazine case it changes the framework for how the lower courts must also look at all second amendment cases so uh, there is a chance especially because trump flipped the ninth circuit court of appeals it's now a conservative circuit which is wild uh thank you donald trump again uh there's a chance that that law will be uh shot down and you will be allowed to have high capacity magazines which would be a good thing um that's one second amendment story of the week i got another one uh, that's actually just happened today. Uh, they, uh, the words vacated. The Supreme Court vacated the Ninth Circuit ruling. They got to do it again. So uh, another one, and I don't even know. I don't even know what this was. Like I don't know where this came from. I don't know what the point of this was originally. But the Attorney General, somehow, someone in the Attorney General's office, put online all of the concealed carry permit holders in the state of California. Their name, home address, race, age, all their information for all the people who have a CCW in California. Now, we don't even know what the fallout of that is going to be for the victims of this, right? There'll be no fallout for the person who leaked this information at all. They're a government employee, right? They'll be fine. Uh, but we don't know what the fallout's gonna be for the people whose names were actually released. The bigger concern is not just for the people whose names who have CCWs, 
but it's the people who don't have a CCW. Here's what I mean. Uh, it's very hard. It was very hard to get a CCW, a concealed carry permit in uh, California. It's very hard. You had to have good cause. The criminals can now know who does not have a CCW. What do I mean? Uh, a ton of judges have CCWs, right? That's a good enough cause, according to the local sheriffs in California. But if you're a criminal and you want to go after a judge, now you know the judges that don't have a CCW. If you are a stalker, this is also a good reason, uh, a good cause to get a concealed carry permit, is you prove that you're, you're a victim of a stalker, right? Could be an ax or whoever, right? Well, if you're that stalker, you now can look at this database that's online and see if the person you're stalking doesn't have a CCW. If you want to rob a uh, jeweler or a doctor, those are other professions. If you carry around medication, drugs, and, and jewelry for your job, that's a good cause to get a concealed carry So if you want to rob one of these people, you can first check and see if they don't have a CCW before you go and attack them. So if any journalist decides to check up on this in a year or so, which they won't, but if they were only to look at the people who have CCWs who have become victims of crimes, that's not going to answer the full story. The full story is who are the people who don't have CCWs who are victims of crimes because now these criminals know that they didn't have a CCW. That's the real fallout from this. But the thing I don't understand about it is I don't even know what the attorney general was was attempting to do because like he made some website where th something was searchable and they screwed up and they put they I don't know they pressed the wrong button or whatever they put too much stuff up and they didn't mean to and they put it I don't know I don't, but I don't know what the original goal was maybe Lou does we can talk I can ask Lou later Lou will be on here in like an hour uh, but I don't know what the original point was the whole thing anyway alas I don't I don't know maybe it was an accident but it's pretty convenient timing just one week after the Supreme Court made their big Second Amendment ruling, which specifically went after New York, but also California. Seems a little too convenient, but what do I know? We uh, brought the whole family to Costco the other day. And uh, we left. And my wife said, Are, do you think there were any good guys carrying a gun in there at the Costco? I said, probably not. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe you have a better understanding. Probably no. In an entire Costco, there's probably not one good guy with a gun. So if a bad guy comes in, you know, everyone there's sitting ducks. Because it's been really hard to get permission from the sheriff to be allowed to carry a gun outside of your home. Now that the Supreme Court ruled, uh, it's going to be much, much easier and hopefully we here in San Diego elect a good sheriff. That would be Hemmerling is the sheriff that said he will allow people to get CCWs. Martinez is the one who would uh, not. So you want to vote for Hemmerling for sheriff. Um, but a buddy of mine uh, applied and said that his uh, appointment, his interview is April. <laughs> April. So it's still ridiculously difficult when in other states, you don't have to do anything. <laughs> you know, my wife's family's in Georgia now and you don't need any permits to carry. Just 
carry your gun around. So if you're in Georgia and you're wondering if there's if there's a good guy with a gun in a Costco, you're like, well, the question is, is there a good guy with a gun in this one checkout line? And the answer is, yeah, probably. <laughs> My father-in-law said uh, he asked his pastor uh, if there's anyone, you know, what the security features are. And he goes, I know of eight people who are carrying every Sunday in church. And my father-in-law said, oh, I guarantee you there's a lot more than eight. That's a small church, like 200 people in the church. So Georgia, you don't need anything. Here in California, even when the law has been struck down, you still got to wait till April before you can get your interview for permission. So, so we can debate what's proper, but the question to the court is what is constitutional? And the Supreme Court said the other day that if you want to carry a gun outside your home, you don't need to uh, demonstrate a special need for self-protection distinguishable from that of the general community. You don't need to live or work in an area that's noted for criminal activity. Actually, no, I take it back. That, that actually is not a good enough reason. Even New York and California, that was not good enough. If you said you were in a, a dangerous neighborhood, that wasn't enough. Self-protection was not good enough in California, New York, and Hawaii, and a couple of those states, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey. And the Supreme Court came down, struck that down, said, nope, that's enough. You want to carry your gun outside? Boom, that's all you need. You want to carry your gun to Costco? That's all you need. What's a good enough reason? You're an American citizen. The Supreme Court said individual self-defense is the central, the central component of the Second Amendment. Clarence Thomas, nothing in the Second Amendment's text draws a home or public distinction with respect to the right to keep and bear arms. And the definition of bear naturally encompasses public carry. I love that, so great. There's nothing in the Second Amendment that says, uh, you're allowed to own a gun, but only in the house, only in your house. Come on now, people, you can't carry it anywhere. No, of course not, not to say that. You can't have the right to protect yourself in your home and not protect your body when you step outside of your home, it's absurd. I'll end here. The exercise of other constitutional rights does not require individuals to demonstrate to government officers some special need. The Second Amendment right to carry arms in public for self-defense is no different. You don't have to prove, you don't need government permission to do any of these other things. 858-522-5775. Well done, Supreme Court. 858-522-5775. Uh, and we're already seeing the... Uh, fallout here in San Diego and it will only be for the best there was some shooting oh, where was it some shooting somewhere in LA and it was oh yeah it was a oh do I have it here is this it nah it was uh, it was some shooting in LA some woman was walking down the street with a baby stroller and uh, she was shot or I don't know if she was shot or the baby wasn't shot but she was shot or there was a shooting around her or whatever and it was framed as, well, here. I mean, this is what the this is what the sec uh, the Supreme Court was asking for. I mean, this was and it's like a day later, okay. And uh, that guy doesn't even can't even spell Supreme Court. His decisions were not based off of the Supreme Court's rulings. He probably wasn't allowed to own a gun anyway, and he was using it to kill people, innocent people, right? So the laws were not hindering already him already. Uh, no. Uh, further laws would uh, stop his behavior. But what would may have stopped him is if that woman 
was carrying or if someone else was carrying or if you thought that other people were carrying that's obviously the solution to this and i guess if you don't want to get that then you never will mike slater show spread the word hey static series i want to uh talk one more segment about this because it's the fourth of july weekend and this is uh, part of it. It's worth going back to our founding fathers a little bit here. Uh, we're talking about the Second Amendment and the uh, Supreme Court making a good decision on it, saying that you don't need to prove to the government that you're, uh, you, know, you have a good enough cause to have your Second Amendment right. You just have it. It's yours. Uh, this is gun violence prevention advocate Wendy Wheatcroft said the ruling was a gut punch, but not a surprise. This isn't the wild, wild west. We don't need people carrying a gun everywhere. This is not freedom. This is not safe. There's something like 140 million law-abiding gun owners who own something like 400 million guns and trillions of rounds of ammo. <laughs> if we were the problem lady, you'd know it. Shall we review the text? A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And the point here that our founders put in there, which by the way, uh, many of our founding fathers did not want there to be a Bill of Rights because that, in, that further implied that this new federal government was the decider of rights, right? They're like, hey, if you start listing things that people have a right to that implies that things that aren't listed they don't have a right to and it implies that the federal government is the person who decides what rights you have so we don't even need to put anything in there everyone has all the rights period but they lost that argument and they put 10 of them there uh so the government does not grant you your right to own a gun you already have that right you already have it you have it because you're born in america and there is a God. That is it. There are God-given rights. You already have it. You have a right to your uh, self-defense, to protect yourself. The Second Amendment says the government cannot restrict or infringe on that right of yours that already exists. It shall not be infringed. It's there. The government did not give you your right. All the Second Amendment says is that the government can't get in the way of that right that you already have. See the difference? You do, of course. Make sure other people see that difference. The government does not grant rights. The Second Amendment is to protect the right that you already have. The Second Amendment does not apply to muskets. It's not the, tech, the Second Amendment has nothing to do with the technology of the gun. That is irrelevant. It's not even about guns per se. The Second Amendment is about the government. The Second Amendment doesn't restrict guns. It restricts the government from infringing on your right to own guns you with me on that like it doesn't say anything about guns themselves it's not like well you can have this and that but not this one and that the other it's not a gun law it is a articulation of the fact that the government cannot restrict your right to own one cannot infringe upon that right rights are not granted by the government the constitution protects the government from infringing on them here's clarence thomas uh, many Americans hazard greater danger outside the home than in it. A Chicagoan is a good deal more likely to be attacked on a sidewalk in a rough neighborhood than in his apartment on the 35th floor of the Park Tower. 
the text of the Second Amendment reflects that reality. So that woman I was referring to in the last segment, uh, I found the article. It was not L.A. It was in New York City. A um, 20-year-old woman strolling uh, down the New York City street with her three-month-old daughter. Uh, some ex, they believe it's the father, uh, came up behind the woman, shot her in the head, ran away, killed her dead right there, right, right in the street. This woman had uh, greater danger to her life on the sidewalk than in her apartment. This is a good section from the Supreme Court. Even before the Civil War commenced in 1861, the court indirectly affirmed the importance of the right to keep and bear arms in public. Writing for the court in Dred Scott, Chief Justice Taney, all right, so this was a bad decision, but he argued that what he thought was a parade of horribles that would result from recognizing that free blacks were citizens of the United States. All right, so the Dred Scott decision said uh, that black people are not citizens and cannot sue a white person. Right, it's one of the worst decisions in Supreme Court history. Right. So uh, the guy who wrote that, Taney, he said that if black people were actual citizens, then they would be entitled to all the privileges of citizens, including, quote, the right to keep and bear arms wherever they went. Isn't that interesting? So this like super horrible decision from this terrible racist judge said, well, you can't let black people be citizens because then they'll be allowed to carry guns wherever they go because that's what the Second Amendment clearly says. Clarence Thomas says, thus, Chief uh, Taney recognized, albeit unenthusiastically in the case of black people, that public carry was a component of the, keep, the right to keep and bear arms. A right free blacks were often denied in antebellum America. Uh, let's see here. Uh, so Thomas, he talks about how freed black slaves protected themselves with guns after slavery ended. He said freed blacks did it with, or freed slaves did it with vigor and audacity. Seeing that government was inadequate, inadequately protecting them, there was the strongest desire on the part of the freedmen to secure arms, revolvers particularly. Uh, that was true for freed slaves back then, and I think we see uh, a lot of similarities here with Uvalde. Not too long ago, they'll never forget about them. Right, the Uvalde police standing outside the door of an active shooter with their riot gear, their protective gear, their shields, bulletproof vests. They were armed, the whole thing, and didn't do anything. So what about our government's willingness to protect you? Let me throw one more, then we can move on from guns. This is uh, Alito. He's, uh, so basically he says, I agree with everything Justice Thomas says, but uh, I want to re refute one of the points made in the dissent. So if you read the dissent in the Second Amendment case, uh, it's all about, oh, a lot of people are dying and that's terrible. And Alito says, why, for example, does the dissent, the progressives, the anti-gun justices, why do they think it's relevant to recount the mass shootings that have occurred in recent years. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Does the dissent think that laws like New York's prevent the New York law says you can't get a concealed carry permit? Do the dissents like that, uh, does the dissent think that laws like New York's prevent or deter such atrocities? Will a person bent on carrying out a mass shooting be stopped if he knows that it's illegal to carry a handgun outside the home? And how does the dissent account for the fact that one of the mass shootings near the top of the list took place in Buffalo, New York? The New York law in issue in this case obviously did not stop the perpetrator. What is the relevance of statistics about the use of guns to commit suicide? Does the dissent think that if a lot of people who possess guns in their homes will be stopped or deterred from shooting themselves if they cannot lawfully take them outside? The dissent cites statistics on children and adolescents killed by guns, but what does this have to do with the question whether an adult who is licensed to possess a handgun may be prohibited from carrying it outside the home? It has nothing to do. It's all about emotions. Very similar to this, the, the dissent in overturning Roe v. Wade. It's all about how difficult and sad it is to have an uh, unwanted pregnancy. Nothing about the constitutionality or morality of the issue at hand. As you know, gas prices are going up in California. Like, excuse me. Gas prices are going up. The gas tax is going up. How awful are these people? Where there was a debate in Sacramento on should we eliminate the gas tax or lower the gas tax, at least momentarily, while prices are as high as they are. Uh, well, first of all, there's no momentarily. <laughs> You're right. This is what they are. Uh, and I'll prove that in just a second. But California hasn't done that. Sacramento has not done anything about lowering gas prices. Instead, they've allowed the gas price, the gas tax to automatically increase as regularly scheduled. They couldn't even say, hey, let's at least not raise the gas tax. They couldn't even do that. Now, it's only going up three cents a gallon. That's nothing compared to the, the $7 a gallon. And the more that it's just going to go up for all the other reasons. Uh, but it's the, the point of it, right? And how little they care. Uh, the audio here is, qual is terrible. The quality of this audio. Let me see if it even works. Uh, this is one of the uh, Biden advisors on CNN asked about gas prices. Sustainable. What do you say to those families who say, listen, we can't afford to pay four eighty-five a gallon. Can you hear that, Usher? Is that even worth playing? Uh, let me turn it up a little. We'll give one more try. Alan, for months, if not years, this is just not sustainable. What we heard from the president today was a clear articulation of the stakes. This is about the future of the liberal world order, and we have to stand firm. What? The, f the future of the liberal world order? What are you... Man, watch your mouth. <laughs> Careful what you're saying there, bro. Liberal world order. So he's probably referencing uh, Ukraine and Russia, right? Uh, but they also are talking about uh, the future of um, fossil fuels in America, right? That's what this all really comes down to. So Biden's team, part of their plan is because of gas prices. Because again, they don't, they don't want gas prices to go down. That's, that's the point. They don't want them to go down. They will not go down. Gas prices will not go down because they do not want them to go down. And they're doing everything they can to stop gas prices from going down. They've canceled some oil leases in Alaska. Uh, they said they're going to ramp up ethanol production. Ethanol production. So a couple things about ethanol. Ethanol is worse for the environment. It's worse. I mean, there was a while there where ethanol was uh, a conservative thing. Like conservatives were on board with ethanol. Because it sounded good. <laughs> Right? Like, oh, just grow corn and run our cars on corn. It sounded good, but it, it doesn't work. Uh, the growing of the corn requires a ton of farmland. 
Uh, how about this fact? If you want to replace gasoline with ethanol from corn, we would need 50% more land than all the land we currently use to grow all of our crops. <laughs> so we'd have to stop growing all crops. No grapes, no kale, no rice, no uh, avocado, whatever. Nothing. All gone, replaced with corn, and then 50% more, and we could run our cars on gasoline, on ethanol. I don't even know if cars can use 100% ethanol gasoline. I don't know if that's possible. But the point is, uh, ethanol is not a sustainable thing. Uh, makes food prices go up because more of this corn is now grown for cars and not for people. But also, it's way worse for the environment than even oil. Ethanol emits more CO2. Do you see it? Do you get it? You'll have environmentalists or just general idiots on the street say we need to burn ethanol because it emits less CO2. No, it doesn't. It emits more CO2. Not to mention the production of the corn with tractors and all the rest. So why do people think ethanol is better? Why do you have a knee-jerk reaction that ethanol is better? Why do environmentalists think that ethanol is better? Because environmentalists and progressives in general think that anything that is natural is better. I've liked this analysis that we've stuck to lately because it's, it's fascinating. It applies to lots of things. It applies to environmentalism. It applies to transgenderism. Uh, it applies to uh, the sexual revolution. It's, it's, all, it's, it's everything that the left believes that if it's natural, it's good. It's the same reason why environmentalists think that uh, cotton tote bags are better than plastic bags because to them, cotton is more natural. They think that cotton is more natural than oil. And they don't take into consideration anything about the production of cotton versus the production of a plastic bag. They don't take it into effect. Let's just let, forget even like the growing of the cotton and all the resources necessary for that. But also the fact that a lot of cotton, probably the cotton that you're wearing right now is picked by slaves in China. Uyghur slaves in China growing cotton to make your t-shirt. <laughs> so you have all these progressives who are all like, oh, our founding fathers are so terrible with their support of slavery. Meanwhile, you're wearing clothes made by slaves. The cotton grown by slaves and even the, the, the uh, shirts put together probably by slaves in China as well. And you have no problem with that. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's more natural. Cotton's more natural. Yeah. But it's everything. It's why progressives uh, embrace their sinful desires because they believe that their desires are natural. It came from within me. It's natural, therefore good. Same idea. Corn is more natural than oil, so it's good. No, it, first of all, is it more natural? I mean, the oil is already there. It's already in the ground. You don't have to make oil. It's right there. It's dead dinosaurs. Just dig it up. So I don't even know if corn is more natural. Uh, but it, who cares? If, <laughs> even if it is, it's worse for the planet. You know, Ukraine and Russia provide 24% of the world's wheat. Okay, well, that's a problem. So you're going to have a lot of people dying from starvation in the third world because of this. You're going to have uh, a lot of people in the second world who are going to be weaker and uh, more susceptible to, to disease and other problems. And then for us in the first world, food is just going to be more expensive. And then on top of that, America will be diverting a lot of our food now for fuel. It's incredibly stupid.
incredibly stupid. But that's what uh, the Biden administration's. Uh, that's what they got. So it's one of the things they're doing. I, I think I was gone when this happened. I think I was on vacation when this happened. Did you see the uh, note card that our president held up? I thought it was a joke. I didn't check much news or anything when I was away, but uh, this one I, I found. This one somehow. I thought this was a joke. So the president was at some event and he held up a note card to make some point about something. And the cameras obviously could zoom in on what the note card said. Have you, you've seen this, right? So here's what it says. Offshore wind sequence of events. Okay, so he's doing this press conference about offshore wind. Okay, okay. Uh, we're not going to use oil anymore. We're going to put windmills out in the ocean. Brilliant. So here's what the, the card says. Capital letters, bold, you enter the Roosevelt room and say hello to participants. You take your, capital letters bold, you take your seat. Well, who else's seat would you take? What kind of, why, would you have to, why would you have to write that, let alone bold it? Press enters, you give brief comments, two minutes, Press departs. You ask Liz Schuler, president of the AFL-CIO, a question. Note, Liz is joining virtually. You, capital letters, thank participants. You depart. What is that? What, what kind of stage direction is that? There's no way that's normal. His team says that's normal. There's no way. I would love to be corrected here, but there's no way Donald Trump or Bill Clinton or W or Nixon or whatever had a piece of paper that said, you enter the room, you say hello, you take your seat, you ask this person a question, like you leave now. Like there's no way any president's ever had that. That is ridiculous. Now listen, another thing that happened when I was on vacation actually, and I came, to, I, well I didn't because I wasn't on the radio, but I would have come to the president's defense about him falling off of his bike. Do you remember that happened? Two weeks ago he fell off his bike. And I, as a former cyclist, uh, I would have come to his defense. Every cyclist, when you first start, you do that. You 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 don't clip you don't clip your shoes off the bike pedals, and uh, and you you fall over. They call it turtling, right? You're clipped in, and you mean to unclip, and you don't, and you you can't brace yourself, and you fall over. Everyone's done it. He wasn't clipped in, but his foot was in a, like a pedal cage. And he tried to get it out, and it just got stuck, and he couldn't do it, and he fell over. No big deal. Doesn't look good. Doesn't really project strength. I don't think Trump would have even ever let himself be on a bicycle. That doesn't look super, super strong either. But anyway, this to me, that has nothing to do with Biden's health. And I don't even care if he's physically feeble. But when you see something like that with his note cards, <laughs> that is concerning. That is concerned. What is that? You take your seat? What do we... I assure you the Democrats behind the scenes are concerned as well. I saw some straw poll was done in New Hampshire for whatever it's worth, and only 23% of Democrats had a favorable view of Kamala Harris for president in 2024. <laughs> oh, they're in big trouble. You hate to see it. Coming up next, we talked about Paul Revere in the first hour. I want to come back and read the Paul Revere poem from Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I think of no better time to do it than 4th of July. We'll do when we get back. Oh, Slater Crusaders in his poetry segment here on the Mike Slater Show. Uh, we talked about the uh, about Paul Revere in the first hour of the show. We gave the true story of Paul Revere's midnight ride because I never even knew the story. 
I've heard of it, of course, but I never did the story. So this is uh, the poem that made it extra famous. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote in 1860. Right? So it was another generation past. It was right on the eve of the Civil War. So he was looking back to try to uh, spur that uh, patriotic sentiment again. And he went back to uh, this moment. He actually toured uh, Boston and left the tour. And the next day started this poem. It was originally called The Landlord's Tale because it's in the voice of an innkeeper speaking to the people who are staying at the inn. Right? So I imagine this at uh, like a candlelight, right? 1860, right? Here we go. Listen, my children, and you shall hear of the midnight ride of Paul Revere. On the 18th of April in 75, hardly a man is now alive who remembers that famous day and year. He said to his friend, if the British march by land or sea from the town tonight, hang a lantern aloft in the belfry arch, the church, of the north church tower as a signal light, one if by land and two if by sea. And I on the opposite shore will be ready to ride and spread the alarm through every Middlesex village and farm for the country folk to be up and to arm. Pretty cool. In real life, he wasn't waiting for the signal. He made the signal. But whatever, go with it. Then he said, good night. And with muffled oar, silently rowed to the Charleston shore. That's true. The first thing he did was railed across, uh, sailed, or not sailed, rowed across uh, this body of water. Just as the moon rose over the bay, it was 1130 at night, where swinging wide at her moorings lay the Somerset, the British man of war, a phantom ship with each mast and spar across the moon like a prison bar and a huge black hulk that was magnified by its own reflection in the tide. The British ships were not far away from him. Meanwhile, his friend through alley and street wanders and watches with eager ears till in the silence around him he hears the muster of men at the barrack door, the sound of arms and the tramp of feet and the measured tread of the grenadiers marching down to their boats on the shore. So he's like, oh, I'm hearing the activity. I'm hearing the British gather then he climbed to the tower of the church up the wooden stairs with stealthy tread to the belfry chamber overhead and startled the pigeons from their perch on the somber rafters that round him made masses and moving shapes of shade by the trembling ladder steep and tall to the highest window in the wall where he paused to listen and look down a moment on the roofs of the town and the moonlight flowing over all so now we have like a little aside as this guy's about to light the, the lanterns. Beneath in the churchyard lay the dead in their night encampment on the hill, wrapped in silence so deep and still that he could hear like a sentinel's thread, tread the watchful night wind as it went creeping along from tent to tent and seeming to whisper all as well. A moment only he fell, feels the spell of the place and the hour and the secret dread of the lonely belfry and the dead. For suddenly all his thoughts are bent on a shadowy something far away where the river widens to meet the bay, a line of black that bends and floats on the rising tide like a bridge of boats. So he has like this moment where he's looking at the church graveyard and he kind of like loses, he like daydreams for a second. And then and he sees all the British ships and he like snaps out of it. Meanwhile, impatient to mount and ride, booted and spurred with a heavy stride, on the opposite shore walked Paul Revere. Now he patted his horse's side, now gazed on the landscape far and near, then impetuous stamped the earth. He's like, come on, what's, what's the signal? And turned and tightened his saddle girth. But mostly he watched with eager search the belfry tower, the old North Church, North Church. As it rose above the graves on the hill, lonely and spectral and somber and still, 
And lo, as he looks on the belfry's height, a glimmer and then a gleam of light. He springs to the saddle and bridle he turns, but lingers and gazes till full on his sights a second lamp in the belfry burns. A hurry of hoofs in a village street, a shape in the moonlight, a bulk in the dark, and beneath from the pebbles is passing a spark, struck out by a steed that flies fearless and fleet. That was all. And yet, through the gloom and the light, the fate of a nation was riding that night. And the spark struck out by that steed in his flight, kindled the land into flame with its heat. <laughs> That's awesome. So as the uh, horse just took off, like it was on fire. Uh, he has left the village and mounted the steep, and beneath him, tranquil and broad and deep, is the mystic, another river, meeting the ocean tides, and under the alders that skirt its edge, now soft on the sand, now loud on the ledge, is heard the tramp of the steed as he rides. It was twelve by the village clock when he crossed the bridge into Medford town. He heard the crowing of the cock and the barking of the farmer's dog and felt the damp of the river fog that rises when the sun goes down. It was one now by the village clock when he galloped into Lexington. He saw the gilded weathercock swim in the moonlight as he passed, and the meeting house windows, blank and bare, gaze at him with a spectral glare, as if they already stood aghast at the bloody work they would soon they would look upon. Meaning like these windows were watching, they were like a witnesses to what this this battle that they were about to see. It was two by the village clock when he came to the bridge in Concord Town. He heard the bleeding of the flock and the twitter of birds among the trees and felt the breath of the morning breeze blowing over the meadows brown. And one was safe and asleep in his bed, who at the bridge would be first to fall, who that day would be lying dead, pierced by a British musket ball. Ooh, that's my favorite part of the poem. So he's saying he's getting there at 2 a.m. And the first person who's going to die in the Revolutionary War is currently asleep in his warm bed, doesn't even know what's about to happen. You know the rest in the books you've read, how the British regulars fired and fled, how the farmers gave them ball for ball from behind each fence and farmyard wall, chasing the redcoats down the lane, then crossing the fields to emerge again under the trees at the turn of the road and only pausing to fire and load. And through the night rode Paul Revere. And so through the night went his cry of alarm to every Middlesex village and farm, a cry of defiance, not of fear. A voice in the darkness, a knock at the door, and a word that shall echo forevermore. For born on the night wind of the past, through all our history to the last, in the hour of darkness and peril and need, the people will waken and listen to hear the hurrying hoofbeats of that steed and the midnight message of Paul Revere. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.